Alrighty, welcome to Outrageously Unnecessary. Uh, this is a podcast all about the ridiculous things that the wealthy have bought or done throughout the ages. I'm your host, Haley. And, and over there... Oh, oh you were stepping in. Okay, don't let me step on your toes. Don't let me step oh, no, on your toes. You're good. Oh, no, I was just... I was, I was Honestly, I was going to say, and there's that siren coming back. <laughs> <laughs> this freaking, there must be a police chase happening. Steven, introduce yourself. <laughs> hey guys, you know me. Uh, I'm Steven, your lovely co-host over here in Oklahoma. <laughs> Just chilling. Okay, so, uh, god dang. There's, like, we had to pause before hitting the record button because a siren was, like, a police car or something was going by my house, and it took, like, a solid 30 seconds for yeah. it to finally <laughs> go off into the distance. And, of course, right as we started recording again, <laughs> siren's back. So either something tragic has happened or... <laughs> or they know something we don't. Yep. Uh, I do live right next to a road that's just, like, consistently filled with, like, traffic accidents. Like, you will just hear, like, clunk, and you're like, oh, somebody got hit. That's unfortunate. Ooh, ooh, that's rough. I mean, you would think that people would learn by now, but no, they don't. No, not at no, all. No, they don't. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's No, it also <sighs> helps that we live right next to the light rail as well, and so you'll just hear, oh, like, yeah. ding, 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 ding. And, like, at this point, I don't even notice it, but occasionally I'm like, oh, that probably shouldn't be in an audio recording. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Like, what what baffles my mind is, like, obviously, the busiest times are, like, first, you know, first of the day, early morning rush hour, and then, of course, end of the day rush hour. But, like, especially, like, early morning, first of the day rush hour, because, um, like, my drive to work, going up towards downtown Oklahoma City, like, there. You would think that by now, I mean, the speed limit is, it, it fluctuates between 60 to 65, depending on which highways you connect to or whatever. But, but yeah, you know, like standard low highway. Standard, yes. But now, um, all the speed limits, I mean, it, well, not now, but people continuously go 75 in the morning. That's just, that. that is the limit. And of course, you're... You're just going up with this, the... The flow absolutely. of traffic. You're like, it's not me, officer. I'm just keeping up. Well, we're all flying by, you know troopers and and police and of course they're not pulling anybody over because they know like they know like that's the that's the normal flow of traffic and and i people are in a hurry I, it's fine. i also <laughs> found out that like if you go the speed limit in that type of rush hour traffic you will actually get pulled over and get a ticket for impeding the flow of traffic even though yeah. you're going the speed limit it's bananas unless you're like absolutely in that slow right hand lane they will they will nail you they're like do you not see everybody else yeah, that, keep up that, that right lane is just as fast and just as dangerous now people get angry when you're in the right lane and you're going the speed limit and you're like but i'm in the correct lane exactly why it's are like, you doing why this? are you angry at me why are you riding my bumper and flashing your lights at me for doing the right thing like <laughs> i'm a good noodle <laughs> I, I am but what my point is is like you know, there's traffic accidents all the time right and you would think by now People would learn to, hey, maybe I don't need to tail the car in front of me when there's a whole line of cars and we're all going 75 miles an hour and there's like two or three semi-trucks that if they slam on their brakes, it's going to be a 50-car pileup within 2.3 seconds. It's, no, it's, you know what, American traffic, because we... <coughs> What you've just described is absolutely what California traffic is like. And so I'm just convinced that across this horrible nation of ours, nobody knows how to drive. It's so true. You're absolutely right. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Nobody learns. And it's we need to we need to hop on board with Germany's mark of it, where like they their testing is absolutely rigorous. You have to know what you are doing before you are get uh, like get a license. Oh, that doesn't surprise me one bit. Honestly, <laughs> Germans, man, they're on top Germans. of it. I legitimately, what with all the tragedies that have been happening in the news lately, rest in peace, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, like my my boyfriend Garrett, his his uh, work is actually it originates in Germany in Munich, and I was just like, baby, do you think that we could? Uh, do you think that you could get a position over there? I, I downloaded Duolingo so I could start learning German. There I've learned 
<laughs> I've I've learned that all nouns in German are capitalized, and that's been throwing me. I'm like, ich bin ein Frau, and I'm like, why is Frau capitalized? What? what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Germany. Yeah, that was Germany. That was so sad about about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So sad. It's yeah. It's, ooh, it's. That is not what this podcast is about. Just know that I love and respect the notorious RBG. But uh, <laughs> in any case, you want to get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. My turn first this week. Yes. So uh, my story is about a rich person this week. So last week, obviously, I, I talked about someone who was not rich, who was uh, scheming and, and doing everything in her power to get yeah. rich. This week, I am talking about someone who is rich, but is very bad at spending money. So much so that that is what her entire uh, reputation is through history. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> she. <laughs> well, we'll get into what her actual title is, because she did win one from the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, I'm super stoked. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I don't even... It was probably awarded post... Uh, posthumously i'm not entirely certain actually mm -hmm. i didn't bother looking it up but they're like the guinness book of world records didn't exist in the 1800s right uh no i want to say the guinness book maybe came on like the late 1890s and then like or like the 1900s maybe it's been around a i don't while. know maybe she was alive i we should <laughs> google that while i start this off got it um <laughs> okay, so anyways, we're going to be talking about a real-life Mr. Krabs here. Uh, she does everything in her power to make money but not spend it. Uh, so November 21st, my mom's birthday. November 21st, 1834, Henrietta Howland Robinson uh, was born to the richest whaling family in New Bedford, Massachusetts. At the age of two, Henrietta, who was called Hetty by her family was sent to live with her grandfather, Gideon Howard, and her aunt Sylvia. Every day, Hetty would bring business reports to her grandpa Gideon, and through this she started taking a major interest in business and how he was running his family's whaling empire. Um, and then, once Grandpa Gideon died, uh, Hetty's father took over the whaling business, uh, and he would have her read the financial papers out loud to him. So they'd basically be sitting at the breakfast table and she's like, page two, the stock market is up 12 points today, daddy. And he'd be like, ah, oh, very good, daddy. <laughs> Your voices are on point. Thank you. <laughs> wow. I'm like, like legitimately impressed over here. Like you should have seen me. Like I took like even like a, a seat back just a second. Wow. <laughs> For doing my small child voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just sign me up to record audiobooks. I got it. I could do all the characters. Oh my gosh, that would be freaking hilarious. I legitimately want to record audiobooks. I, I very much so want to get into that game, but I'm like, hmm, would I be able to do accents? Probably not. I, it would be a really terrible Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, super quick aside, there's actually a really big need for people to do audiobooks surprisingly i thought i know that there's like a website that exists that you can like yes. sign up as talent to do that yes. like there's probably multiple websites but i don't know i know that for libraries they usually like having people like read record books for the blind or at least that used to be a thing in the 70s because mm -hmm. that's how um is it Ed Gein? I really want to say it's Ed Gein, but maybe not. It's the other... No, Ed Kemper. That's the one. Edmund Kemper, the serial killer, actually read thousands of audiobooks Ooh. in the 70s and 80s. See, now I want to find that, because that's exciting. Oh, you can find him on YouTube. Ugh. He's actually really good at it. You're like, damn, Edmund Kemper. This should have been your lifestyle, not murdering people. Not murdering your mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Edmund Camper. <laughs> Ed Camp. Have you seen Mindhunter? It's such a good show. The guy oh, who plays him is fucking phenomenal. Oh, I blazed 
okay, a fun so two fun facts. Well, the first fun fact is is like more for me, but yes, I blazed through the first two seasons like within like two days. Um, yep. I thought it was, yep. I thought it was amazing. Um, so um, also, if you have not watched um, the Umbrella Academy, please do. Oh, yes, I have. So good. Okay, good. So the guy who plays Ann Kemper is the same guy who plays Hazel. I know. I know. So, like, when like, like when I was watching the Umbrella Academy, after already watching Mindhunters, I made that connection. I was like... He's, like, a completely different person. Like, and I'm like, damn, you're a good yeah, actor, son. Super versatile. Fuck. Super versatile. But, yeah, uh, super solid job as, as Ed Kemper. And then, like, reading about Ed Kemper's life and his personality... It made me realize how much more, and I can't remember his name, so I'm sorry, but that actor did personifying Ed Kemper. Like, I really want to say his name is Cameron Britton, but I that I don't sounds know super if that's close. Correct. No, that sounds super super close. Um, um, but anyways, yeah, I, he just did such such a good job, just phenomenal. And Cameron Britton is correct. You are correct. Woo! Yeah. Look at me go. So okay, I want you to know that we are not even through the first paragraph of. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, but they know. They our listeners know we go off on tangents. They They're absolutely do, and by now they should be writing down all of our recommendations because we have great taste. That's right. <laughs> They're here for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, yeah, just give us a shout out if you think I should be reading audiobooks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> got, it's got my vote. What what illegal illegal recording of an audiobook do you want me to do? I suppose I could do some uh, some ones that are in the public domain. <laughs> Just stick them up on YouTube. Um, you should, no. Who wants to hear the Wizard of Oz? No, no, no. You, you um, should do Gone with the Wind. Oh. <laughs> and frankly, my dear, I I don't give, give a, a damn. damn. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag title of this podcast: Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Hashtag gilded gang means gone with the wind. <laughs> okay. Anyways, back to Hetty. By the age of 13, she actually became the family bookkeeper, which they put a seventh grader, to put that in today's terms, they put a seventh grader in charge of the household finances. Well, that says a lot. That says a lot. She's 13. I know that most people are like in that age. It's just like, hmm, well, you're not a toddler anymore. Go out and earn a buck. Make make your living in this family worthwhile. But like also she was rich, so she didn't necessarily have to do that. So I don't know. 13 is just wild to me. I wouldn't trust 13 year old me with shit. Uh, yeah, but I mean, back then, you know, just, the, all they had was books. All they had was reading and learning and like language. And I, I mean, obviously, if you could afford it, and if you're if you had the the family lifestyle that could afford, you know, you're too. You're I don't too know. Rich. Even for like a woman, like women weren't necessarily brought into that. Women no, were expected to. But they had access to books. You know. Yeah, but still, I feel like uh, it'd be they'd be like, okay, go out to balls, prepare for your cotillion. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, I mean, yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> I'm not wrong. Uh, so, wow. so she's 13 years old, and this is a really wonderful quote. Oh, by the way, I should mention I did get all of my information from Wikipedia. There's shit about her everywhere, but Wikipedia was very, very thorough. So, here we are. But there's this wonderful quote that by pursuing her father's interest, she not only won his praise, she shared his pleasure in making money. <laughs> no. All right. But yeah. By 1865, uh, both of Hetty's parents had died and left her approximately $6 million, which included cash, a warehouse in San Francisco, and a trust fund. Okay. And then uh, her Aunt Sylvia died and left her another $2 million. So Hetty is, she's set. She's got it. she's loaded. Especially back then. Uh, Loaded. (laughs) Yeah, she's loaded. Uh, At the age of 33, she waited until she's 33 for this, uh, she married a man named Edward Henry Green. Uh, and as it turns out, Hetty's father had written it into his will that he didn't want any of his money going to quote any such husband of Hetty's. So <laughs> Hetty did something genuinely unthinkable for Victorian times. She made her husband to be sign a prenup. Oh wow! Yeah. So and he agreed. So I guess he was like, "Yeah, I guess I want to be with you enough to not." I mean, not I believe he was yeah. also wealthy in his own right. Sure, sure. But, 
but still, she was she owned a whaling empire. Um, but the two of them, they moved to London. Uh, they ended up having two kids, one named Ned and the other named Sylvia. So I guess she uh, liked her aunt enough to name her after her. Uh, and they stayed together about 20 years, and then, uh, they never divorced, but they did separate. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, basically, uh, once she gets married, she moves to London and everything like that. She takes her money. She starts playing the stock market. She invests in railroads, war bonds, real estate, etc. In her very first year in London, this stupidly smart woman, she's... She's so smart. She earns $1.25 million in the first year that she plays the stock market. Oh, wow. For, from her investments? That's crazy. Yeah. Did she know what she was doing? Or was it like a, hey, let's, let's sprinkle it into several different accounts and see what sticks? No, she knew what she was doing. Jeez. Because remember, from the oh, time right. that she was itty bitty, she was reading all of those financial reports. So she knew. And she like knew she got a good understanding of how business worked. And so she saw... These are the things that need investing in. Real estate is always solid. There's plenty happening war-wise for me to be able to, like, get reimbursed on my war bonds. And then railroads were becoming huge. So she got into the railroad market really early. Um, so, anyways. Remember Edward? <laughs> oh, Mr. Green. Oh, Mr. Green. It turns out... He's also making investments, but he's really shitty about his investments. He doesn't understand the stock market the way Hetty understands the stock market. You think they would have like he a keeps, discussion about it? And you would think they would talk, but apparently not, mm. because he kept losing so much money that he has to be bailed out by her. So, mm. quote from Wikipedia. After the 1885 collapse of the financial house, uh, John J. Sisko and Son, of which Edward was a partner, it was disclosed that Edward had $700,000 in debt. Oof, brutal. Yeah. So he's, he's well over half a million dollars in debt. Um, oh, so Hetty Green's... $500,000 represented one quarter of the bank's assets. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Good night. She is making this bank function. Yeah, absolutely. And her she husband has debts. Yeah. And so the bank refused to allow Hetty to transfer her, at this time, $26 million in stocks, bonds, and mortgages and deeds to a different bank. Until Edward's debt was paid. She's like, I have $26 million. Let me move it, please. And they were like, but no, you, your husband is a shit. Can he give us money, please? Can your husband please give the money that he owes us, please? Um, and, and, she, so, and she, because her money was tied into the bank, she couldn't pay off his loan. Yeah, well, no, what she ends up doing, she, she ends up paying it off. Oh, okay. She she makes the transfer. She does this all on her husband's behalf, but she never forgives Edward. She's like, fuck you. That was my money. Yeah. So she has all this money that she's earned over a lifetime. During the panic of 1907, she wrote a check for $1.1 million to the city of New York to help keep the city afloat. Like... <laughs> The city of New York itself was like, we have no money. She's like, mm, here you go. $1.1 million. Have fun. There you go. <laughs> just, just. <laughs> all right, sweetie, don't spend it all on sweets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like talking to New York as like a child. Like, all right, don't spend it all on one place, New York. <laughs> <laughs> now, make sure this one actually lasts. The last time I gave you $1.1 million, it went out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you built that. Um, you built that 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 Rockefeller Center, not in. Uh... Oh, speaking of Rockefeller, that's actually my next sentence. Uh, so, by all means, she should be remembered as easily as all the other magnates in her time, like Rockefeller and Carnegie. Mm. But she isn't. You have no idea who Hetty Green is, right? Hetty Green. See, it's familiar. But the details are fuzzy, so I'm glad you're filling in the details. But you wouldn't be able to, yeah, you don't, you don't know, you, like, off the top of your head, you're able to, like, recognize the names Rockefeller and Carnegie as, like, the staples yeah, the, yeah, of staples. that time. And then Hetty Green, you're like, eh? 
<laughs> but she earned just as much money as them. <sighs> so instead of her getting, like, you know, this stellar reputation, she unfortunately earned the reputation of the Witch of Wall Street. And she was eventually named in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's greatest miser. Oh, yes. Yes. Now it's ringing a bell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Sour woman. Imagine. Imagine getting that title. Like, like I want a record for the world's greatest miser. Oh, God. Like, Ebenezer Scrooge. (laughs) Is her. Yeah. But to quote Hetty herself, quote, just because I dress plainly and do not spend a fortune on my gowns, they say that I am cranky or insane. But um, it was a lot more intense than not buying new gowns. Uh, Hetty only wore the same black dress and the same underwear every single day. Until it was completely worn out and was unsalvageable that's by seamstresses. So disgusting. Yeah, that's real gross. And she did this to save money because she didn't want to spend money on a new dress or new underwear. She was she's one of those where she's trying to get every last bit out of the toothpaste bottle, mm-hmm. being like, "I paid for it. I'm gonna get what I paid for." So. She was known to tell her laundress to only wash the dirty hems of her dress so she could save money on soap. Uh, she, she probably also, smelled real, she, real good. She's probably smelled so god-awful. Yeah. Like, nobody smelled good in this time. No. Nobody. But, like, especially her. Yeah. At least so, most people bid, like, once a week. But do you think, like, and everybody's noses she, are used to it, though? But, like... Because that's just the smell. But that's just the thing is I feel like everybody's nose is used to like everybody's normal stank. She's got above grade stank. Oh, she's got the stanky stank? She's got the stanky stank because she's not washing at all because she never used warm water or washed her hands. She, this woman is a nasty hoe. Nasty hoe with stanky stank. Mm. She's oh stanky stank and like the spreading of like she's a regular typhoid Mary. Jesus. Mm not washing her hands. <laughs> I know that was more like acceptable back then, but that's still gross. Yep. I bet her last name was not the only thing that was green. Are <laughs> 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 you saying she's like a sloth covered in algae? Yeah, yeah, yeah she's just, yeah, it's just, it's just fun, it's just <laughs> fungi everywhere. <laughs> she's just got a nice film of plant life that's just kind of growing on her. Yep. So, uh, every day, she ate street pies that cost her 15 cents a piece. Uh, and if she ate at home, she didn't eat any hot food because turning on the heat would mean increasing her bill. Hey, I've seen Sweeney Todd. I know where some of those meat pies come from. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Try the vicar. <laughs> Try the vicar. Uh, nope. Uh- <laughs> we can't get into we can't get into singing I, this I time. don't I don't think I've ever had a, a, an actual full blown meat pie like like an authentic one I can't think I don't think I have I did at the Renaissance Fair last year and it was delightful was it good was it good yeah it was great but also if you've ever had a chicken pot pie that's technically a meat pie oh uh, that's probably where, that's probably where it came from yeah and anyways what do you mean probably where it came that is where it came it's a chicken pot pie yeah I mean I mean I mean, I mean uh, probably yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a handheld thing, but... Anyways, uh, so there is even another story about Hetty floating around that she took a whole night to search her carriage for a postage stamp that she lost. Uh, Like, she literally was like, I am not going to go buy more stamps. I know I had a stamp. The stamp is in my carriage. I'm going to turn my carriage inside out for this goddamn stamp so I can send this goddamn letter. Guess how much the stamp was worth? A nickel, if that. Two cents. Two cents. She spent, like, I don't, your time is surely worth more than two cents, right? Oh, apparently not. Good night. Apparently, apparently not. 
Uh, another story is that she didn't want to spend any money on renting an office at a bank so sh where she would be able to do her business. So she would go to the national uh, or to the Seaboard National Bank uh, and she would go there and she'd bring all of her trunks and like suitcases full of her documents and everything like that just with her. Right. She'd conduct her business and then once she was done she'd pack it all up and leave. So she was hauling this shit every day. Yeah. Because she didn't no. want to pay for an office. <laughs> it's not the most efficient, but I mean It's not efficient. Yeah. <laughs> and here is here is the creme de la creme mm. of her frugality. Mm. This is this is what we've been leading up to her frugality was so insane that one time her son ned got a scratch on his leg or a cut or something something happened to his leg and he needed to go and have it you know treated by a doctor hetty spent so much time searching for a free clinic to take him to that he ended up getting gangrene and his whole ass leg had to be amputated. That's unbelievable. That's see, that makes me a little angry, to be honest. How would you possibly live that down? Like, oh yeah, mom, remember that time you let me lose my entire my leg. ass leg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, want... one thing's for certain though, Haley. He's not going to get quite much what? of a leg up in the world. I hate you. <laughs> You had to get one good one in, didn't you? <laughs> uh, well. Well, that's that's basically the end, but I will I will end her story on a high note besides letting her son lose a leg because that's she's good. too f fucking miserly to take him to an actual hospital. <laughs> Not that I would trust hospitals in the 1800s anyways. Like the, yeah, for, his possibility of getting gangrene was just up there no matter what, but still. Yeah. Like it's the principle of the thing. Um, so I, I will, I will just go ahead and say that Hetty Green was, yes, obscenely rich and extremely frugal, but she was discreetly philanthropic. As it turns out, she did a lot of good in this world. Uh, she, she wouldn't announce when she was giving to charity. She just would and uh to end on her own wo words quote i don't think society means what some rich people would have us believe and i get i should get very tired of living in one of the great houses in new york going out all night and sleeping all day they don't have any real pressure uh the intercourse with people that i or it's intercourse with people that i like so she just liked being around people. She didn't give a shit about her money, except she did give a shit about her money enough right. to, like, not spend it. But she didn't <laughs> want to be seen as, like, a wealthy asshole. Right. Instead, she was just a smelly asshole. Yeah. Man. But, That's just bananas. I mean, like, obviously, like, I if, know. If, if you or I, let's, you know, well, I, I won't speak for you, but, like, I know, like, for us, like, Shelly and I, we've had this conversation. Like, if we ever got... um Oh yeah, yes. So I've seen her picture, like when like researching or looking for like Gilded Gang, you know, different uh, Gilded Gang, Gilded Era. <laughs> when I look for Gilded Gang people, um, <laughs> the Gilded Gang's on the run again. They robbed the bank down the street. Yeah. So when I look for Gilded Era uh, individuals, like yeah, her, her pictures come across. She, I mean, such a sour woman. Like she's got she's got resting bitch face for sure. Hundred percent. She's just got, like, this real deep-set frown, but I just enjoy that at some point she's like, I'm only wearing black. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, no, she just looks like a... Your little dog, too. I feel like the best word for her is uh, curmudgeon. That is an excellent word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, she just looks like the embodiment oh, of a curmudgeon. Yes, I would agree with that, 100%. Uh, but anyways, I just gal. found her kind of fascinating. Like she's she's just such the opposite of everyone that we usually talk about. But no less eccentric. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so do you have a chump change for me? I don't this week, but I figure with yours, uh, I will give the floor to you.
Well, uh, I will keep it short and sweet. Our chump change got a little long last week, but that's okay because it was interesting. <laughs> it was. Um, so this one, I'm going to go ahead and uh, call out at Dom Calais on Twitter. Yo. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm pretty sure. Oh, what is she? I've spoken with her before. She's uh, Belgian. Uh, but oh, right anyways, on. yeah, no, she's super fun. Um, so she tagged us on something on Twitter and what it is, is on September 10th, there was a tweet. It's got 14.3 million views oh, and it's like a minute and a half ish video. And it just said, you know how, let's preface it with this. You know how gender reveal parties are like getting a lot of shit right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So getting a lot of shit right now because, you know, one started a fire in California. But right. um, I mean, they're kind of just just cut a cake, people. Um, anyways, <laughs> the tweet that you tagged me on was couple paid around ninety five thousand U.S. dollars to reveal the gender of their baby on the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Stop it. Really? I have to, <laughs> I have to send you this video. So Oh um, my heavens. This is on our Twitter, so if anyone wants oh to go and find gosh. it, um it's it's pretty amazing, but basically it is a solid minute. It it looks like the countdown on New Year's in Times Square where you're like waiting for the ball to drop and you're looking up at the big tower oh, and yeah, everything it's, like it's that. It's like counting down and it's like it's like beautiful and gorgeous. It's just this family and like thousands of people staring up at the Burj Khalifa, which is, you know, an enormous building. Yeah. And there's literally just the timer going down and like these pretty little star firework like display on the building itself. And then all of a sudden the building just lights up bright blue and the man loses his actual goddamn mind. He's like, oh my God, a son. Like he's holding their daughter and the daughter is just like, why am I Yeah, up? it's like, why am I even and awake right now? Like... <laughs> That's amazing. So it's, yeah, so it's lit up blue. It's got uh, in vertical letters. It's a boy. It's bananas. There's like all these people that are like, I don't know you, but I'm just so proud to be by you. And you're. I'm just so excited. I'm crying. Actually, I don't know if this they're just so excited and so like proud that an American has as much money as probably some of them do. I don't even know if this couple is American. Oh, really? I think that they just paid the equivalent of of ninety five thousand oh, oh, uh, U.S. Oh, gotcha, dollars. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I feel like they're probably they probably live in Dubai, but I don't know anything about this family. I don't feel like doing more research. I just really wanted uh, to thank us getting tagged on this because I saw it and I my my actual response was, "Oh my god," <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, gender reveal parties are fucking dumb. Oh, well, thank you so much for tagging us in that uh, at Donkai or Donkal. I, uh, I don't know. And now I feel bad because I've forgotten what your actual name is. I really want to say it's Celine. Celine, is your name Celine? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to listen to this and you're going to tweet at me and be like, seriously? seriously? <laughs> I, I followed you for two years and interacted with you for two years and this is the thanks oh, I get. Man. And I'm just going to be like, meh, meh, it's, meh, it's meh, like meh. The, the first word, like the, the double M's, like, okay, and the O, like, okay, I get, like, I'm pretty, pretty common about that pronunciation, but it's those two L's. And it's the two L's. It can go anywhere. Dumb Spanish speaking brain just immediately goes calle, and I'm like, mm. I, that's what mine did too. Because uh, yeah, I mean, I used to speak a lot more French just because I was I was in it more. But yeah, but here in Oklahoma, there's a lot of uh, Hispanic speakers, and so yeah, I was like, oh yeah, calle. No, it's, it's like, is it col? Is it don col? Is or is it? <laughs> I don't, is it? I don't know. I don't but know. she lives in Belgium, <laughs> so she either speaks German or French. I think she speaks German. Oh man. <laughs> This is tragic. I've literally been friends with you on Twitter for two years. Oh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for, for giving us a shout out and tagging us in that. <laughs> you're amazing. Wh whoever you might be and whatever your name is, you're amazing. <laughs> please tweet at us and please, tell us how wrong we please, are. Please tell us how, how, how much idiots we are. 
Oh, if anyone wants to witness the train wreck, just go find us on Twitter. That's right. That's, that's, that's all we do. We're uh, we're literally just one. Long I think train I'm going to tweet at you tonight, uh, or like tweet at her tonight, and just be like, "Tried to shout you out. I'm sorry. <laughs> Trying to shout you out. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to outrageously unnecessary. One unnaturally long train wreck. <laughs> We're normally technical difficulties, the podcast, yeah. but now we're just difficulties, the yeah. podcast. Yeah, difficulties, the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. I know. So, that's the end of Chump Change. Would you care to regale me? I'd love to regale you with a, with a tale as old as time. Copyright Disney. Ah. <laughs> TM, 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 TM. Oh, man. Okay. So... Um, tonight, most of my information comes from Wikipedia, BBC, as well as Daily Mail in the UK. So, look at them sources. Hell yeah! I've got a individual that uh, I came across. Um, so, Gilda Gang, you must know. Like I, I, I had had another topic tonight, um, but I found out that the this, the individual um, in question and the information that I was going to reveal, talk about him, was actually false. He came out and said it was false. Um, kind of. You want to just go ahead and explain really quick who you were going yeah. after and why? Yeah, so um, there was a billionaire named Clive Palmer, and it was heavily rumored that he was going to open up a very, very almost close to real life Jurassic Park, like actual Jurassic Park with like animatronic dinosaurs. And then there was like another rumor floating around, like a really hardcore rumor that he was like uh, talking to like some cloning companies. And uh, he came out and said, no, those are falsities. Sorry. <laughs> That's just and like broke, my heart hurts hearing that it because like I just like, like, even if it's animatronic, I want to go and see the dinosaurs. I know. I just want to see them. Yeah. I mean, like, and like, come on, if you're a billionaire and you have that kind of money, give me dinosaur money. I know that we have four movies. No, five, five movies now. Five movies about why it's a bad idea, but god damn it, I would go and get eaten. I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, so I was super bummed, and yeah, I mean of course, who would want to go to a park with animatronic dinosaurs and have them bend their animatronic heads down where you can pet their animatronic little faces and yeah, it would be amazing. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna have some wine and cry about this later, but anyways... My my individual tonight um, is a individual who also garnered a nickname um, in his life. Um, he uh, he's uh, he's still alive, um, but this is a British business magnate by the name of Roger Ian Dudding. Mister Dudding uh, was born in uh, December twenty first of nineteen. 19- 37. He is 82 this year. Oh, he still is alive. Very much so. Okay. Yeah. So, um, from a very early age, Dudding was very much an entrepreneur. Had a huge... I'm so sorry. I have to stop you. I really enjoy the way that you say Dudding. Yes. <laughs> Dudding. Yes. Dudding started <laughs> at a very early age. Um, he, was, he was an entrepreneur at heart, entrepreneurial spirit, and... He, uh, in the years following World War II, um, Mr. Dudding bred rabbits and sold them to the local butcher, among um, other different kind of various activities to kind of help bring in some coin. Um, From 1954 to 59, he entered as an apprentice to the British Royal Navy, where he received training in mechanical engineering until uh, he had to leave the service due to injury. Um, in 2015, um, he was recognized um, as one of the top 40 richest former apprentices. Didn't even know that was a list, but that's a list that actually I had exists. no idea that was a list. Yeah. I think that's where my shock and silence just came. That's a thing. Yeah, actual list. So, um, had a slight injury. He left the Royal Navy, and he began to work in sales and marketing positions for the Rembrandt and Rothman's Cigarette Group. From about 59 to 67, Um, he then worked at uh, American Machine and Foundry, where he was promoted from sales to vice president. And he also worked for a a management system manufacturer, where he helped um, develop and engineer the 
the take a ticket system. You know, like the little thing that you know pops out a ticket, and you take a ticket. Like if oh, you're waiting yeah. in line, he was one of the, the bane of the bane of like any, any subway experience any, ever. Yeah, We're just absolutely. like, please go, just take the goddamn ticket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, any public place where you have to wait in line or get a ticket. Um, yeah, uh, the company he worked for, he was kind of one of the one of the ones that pioneered a version of the the take a ticket type system. Um, can we thank him for, like, every arcade game that gives you tickets at, like, a Chuck E. Cheese? No. No, we can't thank him for that, unfortunately. Ah. But, uh, but, but good idea. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I see what... Uh, it only takes tickets. It doesn't dispense yeah, yeah, tickets. Yeah, pick up what you're putting down. Um, so, this next stage of, of his life, um, we're in the early 70s now. Uh, this is where he starts to build his career. He starts to build his wealth. He starts to build... Um, his reputation and he built his reputation he built his wealth with the most like one of the most like craziest things you could build your wealth on and I didn't really when I first read it I was like oh that's interesting I wouldn't have thought about building your wealth um, because it is property adjacent and of course obviously there's a lot of money in property Um, you know actually you know with Haley's segment we talked about you know property investment there's a lot of money to be made there but um, his into the property world was adjacent where he got into and he started really investing and making a move in self storage. Okay. Speaking of someone who literally just uh, signed up for a storage locker yeah. like a week ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so um, I-, I will tell you this, that um, his customers and those that worked with him eventually coined him the nickname, Mr. Lockup. Mr. Lockup. Mr. Lockup, because of uh, because of the, the 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 wealth and the the empire that he built in the self storage industry. You know what? As far as nicknames go, that one is not it's terrible. Not too terrible. Um, I don't hate it. Yeah. Off the, I just pictured. Like, well, oh, we. Gee, thanks, Mr. Lockup. <laughs> I promise I'll do you proud. Yeah, exactly. Like one of those like old timey like cartoon advertisements like like yeah. like jimmy like you know like the the the, the old-fashioned american boy or, you know yes like, oh gee thanks mr lockup you're real swell well <laughs> i can see oh that was too good steve <laughs> <laughs> you're real swell mr lockup huh. should we just call this episode voice acting is too good <laughs> uh, welcome to uh, voice acting 101 i am your host and uh, over there is Haley. I'm just the TA. It's just, fine. just the TA. All right. So, in the, uh, getting back to Mr. Dudding, in the early <laughs> in the early seventies, he purchased ten lockup units um, in, in in the UK. Early on, they were called lockup units instead of storage units um, from his landlord, which was a wealthy property owner and a really close friend. So, the first units were uh, located near Croydon, which is in South London. And at first, uh, Dudding said that he was unenthused by the deal. But his opinion changed as he began to receive rental income from the garages. So to oh. expand his holdings, Dudding began to visit garage blocks and other and oh sorry and under the pretense of being interested in renting another unit on the block, asked tenants stopping by their units who they rented from. Using oh he's he's getting he's that, a, he's that a hustler, undercover intel. Hustler. He's putting on a mustache and going out with a bowler hat and sunglasses. 100%. So the information that he gets from these random people that are tenants from another, you know, uh, 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 storage unit owner, he would contact the owners and offer to buy their units for 20% more than they were selling for. All right. That's not a bad deal so, if you're selling nope. that. But he's about to make a lot more money off of it. Then. Absolutely. Because he later founded... Um, uh, Dudrich Holdings Limited uh, in London, which as of October of 2013, earns $12 million in annual revenues just from storage units. Which is phenomenal. I mean... That's that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's I mean, well over a hundred million within within thirty he's, years. He's he's cleaning up nicely. Absolutely. Um, so so today, um, he owns properties throughout England. Um, and when he discusses um, uh, to other people about his success, he describes the importance of promptly evicting tenants for failure to pay. 
Oh, uh, so he's he's the one who started the storage wars. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, promptly evicting them, first of all, and then also keeping his prices low to minimize delinquency. Like delinquency in your payments. Sure, that sounds great. Yeah, I get that. That seems like a decent business model. However, he ran into a lot of trouble. <laughs> Be- um, he ran into a lot of trouble, but he still has made this much money? He ran into trouble, not of his own accord, but he admitted to the fact that he was constantly in contact with the police due to the use of his storage units involved in variety of criminal activities, including stolen goods, drug factories, counterfeiting, disposing of murder victims... Suicides, and as, um, let me find the Don't quote. go to your storage locker to commit suicide. <laughs> um, and um, let me find the quote. He said, they were also used f- from a very useful afternoon nookie shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's a way to put that it. That is the way to put it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just a quick stop on the way to Nookieville. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's a quickie for a quickie. So, yeah, absolutely. So he ran into a lot of that trouble, but um, of course, those troubles. I mean, from his, you know, what he made in a year kind of paled in comparison to dealing with that trouble. Um, but, anyways, Dudding also owns uh, a development business uh, that constantly looks for new places to build up new storage sites. His his main storage complex. Uh, or storage group that um, he is m- most well known for. Let me find it. Um, is uh, these are mostly in the UK, but Safe Store. Safe Store is like the number one brand of his that almost everyone in the UK is going to reali- realize and recognize. Um, and uh, he said, you know, it's not sexy, but the self storage industry has bucked successive recessions. Which cool, great. Yeah, everyone needs somewhere to put their stuff. Yes. So how did Mr. Dudding spend that money that he earned? That sweet, sweet that storage sweet, locker money. That sweet, sweet storage money. Abs- that sweet, sweet nookie stop money. Stop. <laughs> oh, the nookie money. How did he spend his nookie money? <laughs> so, um, a lot of people like cars. Okay, and I, I've even had up some people in the past that that, that I brought up that have, have have owned like a decent amount of cars, you know, worth quite a bit of change. Um, but this this guy, this guy Dudding, um, he is he has amassed Britain's biggest classic car collection with over three hundred and fifty vehicles worth forty million dollars. He's a regular Jay Leno. Yeah, yeah. And he spends roughly 7 million pounds, and this is pounds, so... Yeah. But he's, he roughly spends 7 millions, uh, or he will he will spend up to 7 million pounds to um, have a new garage to house even more uh, vehicles. And I've got... I mean, he is the king of storage. Yeah. He should know. <laughs> I, I know, yeah. Um, so I've got a couple really cool photos of some of the classic cars. Um, Send them to that, uh, me. Send them to me. So the me. first one um, actually belonged to his father, and it's his absolute favorite. Um, it's, well, that's kind of nice. The one ca- Being like, yeah, it's the, oh, yeah, I'm holding it, on to this one. Yeah. Daddy. Yep, it's the one car he'll never sell. Daddy, dudding. But it's a 1952 Morris Minor. It's so cute. This is like the epitome of when you're watching a 1940s like film. Like 19. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is the car that. Oh gosh, what movie? It's even in grayscale. Yeah, I know, I know. It's so cute. I love it. Um, yeah, um, and then uh, not to uh, not to forget the children. Can't forget the children. Oh, do the children have their own cars? Oh, he has a wonderful mini Aston Martin that is made for children. Oh my god, that's okay. Just to explain what I'm looking at, it and is it's, it's, quite literally yeah. an Aston Martin. It's like a 1960s style Aston yeah. Martin. <laughs> it's just, but like, it's parked next to normal size cars. 
and it's pretty much the size of the back tire of one of these cars. Like, <laughs> it's so tiny. Like, my neighbor's two-year-old would absolutely be a miniature James Bond. Yeah, like. it's like if, if somebody, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, um, Aston Martin, you know, like blew up like, you know, a, a toy Aston Martin, that's what it would be. I just want to, like, throw it out there. So my neighbor's uh, kid just turned to at the beginning of the month and they had like one of those like drive-by ste- like parties for her like wave go up hand somebody a cupcake that sort of thing and someone gifted her um a frozen uh miniature car like this you know one of like the little electric mm-hmm. ones she's absolutely terrified by oh, it no. <laughs> she's like no <"Nah!" laughs> oh, no and so just imagining like an actual like just the craftsmanship and the beauty right. of a miniature Aston Martin <laughs> and putting in front of a two-year-old and I'm going, no! Oh, man. Uh, and then, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so lastly is a car with a really badass name. Um, it is called the Vulcan Tourer. The Vulcan Tourer. And it is uh, from night. What the fuck? It's from <laughs> 1911. I know that's not what you pictured, is it? You pictured like this, that's, like no. swooping, like almost futuristic looking. Car. I was thinking of a sports car. I was uh, like, it sounded like it was going to be a sports car, and then all of a sudden, an ancient jalopy showed up on my screen, <laughs> and I love it's, it. Yep, it's from 1911. <laughs> um, it is um, a hand-built um, replica. Um, using the same, using a, a 1911 frame. Yeah, so basically it's one of those like open top um, roadsters, like it's a it, almost roadster kinda, yeah. like convertible things where like the tires are so tall and so thin. Yeah. And like they just got those those big old like hubcap sort of situation, and like everything looks like spoked and like it just looks like it would have one of those horns that would go ha ha like. Oh, I know it's, it's, yeah, exactly, yeah. Is that the horn on the yes. side of it that's yes. like doing a, a curly whirly yep. swoop? Yep, that's it. Yep, you just reach over and go. Wah, wah. Wah, yep. wah. So, anyways, uh, yeah. So over three hundred fifty cars, forty million, and um, it's really ironic because he's got a lot of storage space for it, and he is the king of storage in the UK. So it's really fitting. It's really like it's super classic, and it really fits well together. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you got the money and you love something a whole, whole lot, then do it. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that own a lot of cars, but I think it's cool. He's got a lot of really cool eclectic cars, a lot of old classic cars, um, like some like first gen, like 19, um, like 40s and 50s Ferraris and um, some like. My boyfriend would be absolutely drooling. Oh, yeah. Just to get to like a super, that. A super cool 1980s black Lamborghini. That is just bad A in every sense of the word. Like, it's it's so cool. Um, I just want to know, does he drive them? Or does he just store them? He just stores them. That's so sad. I feel sad. like... It, it always makes me happy, like, going to car shows and seeing the guys who, like, own the cars and are displaying them be like, oh, yeah, I drive this regularly. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad that it's getting, like, the love and attention that it deserves. I know. I know exactly so. I know it hurts my heart because there's so many cars in here that I would just like absolutely drive all the time and cherish and just. Uh. How the hell did you find this guy, the <laughs> the owner of all of the storage lockers in the UK? Uh, to be honest, um, oh I know because I came across. I was looking just for like kind of like like crazy, you know, like obviously like crazy purchases, but also like. Um, I, I'm searching geographically now just, you know, because I'm trying to widen my search basis and the UK is one of my searches and there was an article from Top Gear. And of course, Top Gear is a really, really big Top car Gear show. would? Yeah, and that feels like a Top, Top Gear, Gear episode. Top Gear covered okay. it in 2011. Um, so, um, I should try to find that episode. Uh, God damn, do I love Top so, oh, Gear. Actually, as of to Not the new Top Gear host. Right, like, right. I'm sorry, Matt LeBlanc, get out of here. It's got to be my three boys. Like, it's got to be Richard Hammond destroying cars so I, and Captain Slow doing his best. I, I need to make an amendum, actually. Mm. Um, at the end of Wikipedia, um, so it talks about Dunning's car collection. He actually owns more than 420 cars now. Um, he owns over 24 Aston Martins and then over 200, like, classic cars. And then the rest is just... Does the sporadic. tiny Aston Martin count in that number? <laughs> 
it counts for a half of one of the numbers. <laughs> but <laughs> he, he owns 20 and a half Aston Martins. So, um, to make the collection, uh, you know, help pay for its, for the upkeep of the cars, um, really, really cool. Going back to, you know, love and attention, right? So he created a company called Studio 434 Limited uh, in England, which um, helps store, maintain, and keep up with the vehicles, and they arranged the rental of the cars to the film and television industry to be driven and used nicely. That's cool as hell. Yes. Oh, it makes me happy when rich people are like, you know what? I'm going to actually let my shit be touched. Yep, yep. Like, the idea That's of really cool. being like, hey, if are you doing a period piece? Do you need a period accurate car? Here you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so cool. I, I, I just, I, it, it was like almost like a blink and I missed it. Um, but, yeah, right there at, at the very end, there's a tag that he created a studio specifically to upkeep and maintain the cars well enough that they could, they could be rented by television and movie studios. That's so cool. So, yeah, there's Mr. Uh, Roger Dudding for you. Dudding. Um, oh, so... Because I know that there's that one random listener that that you know has been listening through all of this, and it has been like, "Hey, I still want to know when the first year of the Guinness Book of World Records is." <laughs> and for you, sir or ma'am, that have been so fucking patient this entire episode, I want to commend you. Nay, I applaud you. Nay, I salute you, because the first edition came about in the early 1950s when Sir Hugh Beaver, Mr. Beaver, Mr. Beaver. was the managing director of the Guinness Brewery um, at, uh, who attended a shooting party. Um, there, he and his host argued about the fastest game bird in Europe. And anyone and everyone failed to find the answer in a reference book. So in 54, um, recalling his shooting party argument, he had the idea for a Guinness promotion based on the idea of settling pub arguments. And he inv This is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I no know, idea that I this know. was how the Guinness Book of World Records started. Uh, so he invited some individuals who were great fact-finding researchers to help compile a book of facts and figures. Um, Guinness Superlatives was incorporated on the 30th of November, 1954, and the office opened in two rooms in a converted gymnasium um, on 107 Fleet Street. Um, I assume that's... Oh, it's in the County Wexford. Fleet Street. Yeah, County Wexford. Um, so after the initial research phase, he began to write the book, which took 13 and a half 90-hour weeks. What the fuck? No, space that out, guys. You don't have to work 90-hour weeks. Um, which included... The demand wasn't that which, high. You were doing the first one. <laughs> uh, but their work weeks included weekends and bank holidays. Bananas. Wow. Little did they know that what was taking shape was a book that would go on to become an all-time bestseller and one of the world's most recognized and trusted brands in the entire world. That's fucking phenomenal. And then this article ends with, for those of you who are reading this article and still wondering, the fastest game bird is the golden plover. You're welcome. Oh! <laughs> I love it. I just got all sorts of good feelings from reading this article out loud. That made me deeply happy. I, it, I know. I have this huge smile on my face. Like, ah, like, I know, because the Guinness Book is like a staple in our world. And like... To, to see I mean, it, it was in every bathroom of absolutely. any like childhood friends that I went yeah, to. Yeah, and to see it come from such humble beginnings, it came from an argument. That's what it came from. It came from an it argument. It straight up came from, it came from pub trivia, yep. where it's just you're in a pub yep. and you're spitting trivia, yeah. and you're like, you know what? No, I need somebody to fucking settle absolutely. this for me. It's before Google existed, oh. and I'm here for it. <laughs> but I do want everyone to know, Hetty Green was definitely dead before it came out. She died in 1916, so that was definitely... Definitely, it was a posthumous awarding of greatest miser. Fair enough. Oh, good stuff. Well, that's that's me. That's what I got for this evening. Very good. So. Well, that was wonderful. I we went on many tangents yes, we this episode, yes, but I, you know what, I'm here for yeah. it. And, and so uh, everyone, <laughs> just go watch some television 
Actually, I'm going to throw out one more recommendation. If any of you are into anime, oh. I'm four years behind on this one, but I finally watched Yuri on Ice. And one, the animation is beautiful. And two, it's gay as hell. I love it very much. So... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, was, it was honestly so wholesome and wonderful just to watch these these wonderful like terrible russian accented man teach a japanese boy like how to better himself in the world of male figure skating and it, i learned how figure skating works which was exciting so fair enough <laughs> yeah i finally learned how like the point scoring system was and i was like i got real invested mm. And is really cute. So I'm just throwing it out there. I would like to end with a TV plug, if you don't mind. Um, sure. For those of you who uh, may or may not have Apple TV, if you do, great. If not, not the end of the world. But um, ending the night again with some more wholesome stuff. Um, there is a show on Apple TV called Ted Lasso. And for those of you who don't know, Ted Lasso was a character created by an American actor named Jason Sudeikis. Um, who was, it was like a promo like a little, like a short that was run on NBC, like six or seven plus years ago. Um, super random, like little, like short little promo, like TV sp spots. And this character was like promoting something. Um, and, um, it was a kind of a gag at first, uh, because Ted Lasso, um, is an American football coach who gets recruited to go overseas and be a English football coach. And the two footballs are dramatically different. And Ted yes. is the person who doesn't know anything about the sport, but is one of, but is an amazing coach. So it's hilarious because like, for instance, he's talking to a news reporter and the news reporter looks at Ted and says, Ted, are you worried about the upcoming threat of relegation? And Ted Lasso to which he responds, well, Frank, to be honest, I'm more worried about the definition of relegation. <laughs> and that sums up Mr. Ted Lasso in every sense of the word. But, you know, in the like the early concept, like he was kind of, you know, he, he, he didn't know a whole lot. And he came across as kind of, as kind of arrogant and maybe a little, and a little just a little haughty. Uh, so flash forward seven years later, Apple, you know, TV announced that they were doing an actual a series, a TV series. And Jason Sudeikis, first of all, I always kind of writ him off as like a buddy comedy or like, you know, a raunchy type comedy, you know, type person didn't really like think there was a lot of substance or weight to him. Ted Lasso is honestly, and Shelly and I, my wife and I, we've talked about it. It's our absolute favorite show because it is so endearing and wholesome and real and genuine. Like this man, he is one of the most genuine people you'll ever come across. And I love how they kind of like revamped his character just a little bit. Now he still had, has no idea. Like he's asked like, uh, when he, when he first gets hired on and brought over to Eng England, one of the newscasters stands up and says, all right, what's the offsides rule? And he looks at it and says, well, offsides is one of those crazy things that you don't know what it is, but when you see it, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> Yeah, you just bullshit yeah. your way through. Uh, but you know, by, by the end, by the end of the season, you know, he still doesn't know a lick about football. But yet, his entire team and the entire football club would run through a wall for him because he is so positive, optimistic, and good-natured. And he is like one of the most best individuals you'll you would ever meet in your life. So, if I could put him for a plug, if you have Apple TV, please check out Ted Lasso. At least the first episode, um, it's phenomenal. It's so wholesome, and it'll just It'll, it'll give you a little bit of hope for humanity. So, uh, and couldn't we all just use some hope for humanity nowadays? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, that has been uh, TV plugs from Haley and Steven. <laughs> Hashtag. Thank you for listening to our entire uh, episode about television plugs. <laughs> We're glad that you could be here. Next week, we'll be talking about country westerns um, <laughs> and other types of plugs. So, and other types of plugs. I personally like electrical plugs. I think they're quite nifty. Uh, <laughs> hashtag difficulties. But uh, <sighs> hashtag difficulties. Um, but to wrap this up, I will uh, plug us 
as per usual, go follow us on the social yeah. feeds. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Outrageously Unnecessary or on Twitter at O Unnecessary Pod. Uh, that's where you get updates for things. Uh, and the images that we discussed today on each episode, you can kind of like see what's going on. Sometimes on Instagram, I start getting. Uh, I do Instagram stories where I start doing like tiny existential crises where I'm like, I don't know what to do for the Halloween episode yet. And they're like, we're a month away. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about it though. Um, and then if you like us, go give us a, a rate and a review. It actually helps us out quite a bit. And like, I know most of the time if like you're on an app and like one of those little pop-ups come up and they're like, how are you enjoying this? And you're like, good, I guess. And they're like, would you consider rating us in the Play Store? And you're like, I don't got time for that. No. Uh, if you could just take that feeling and push it aside and actually give us the rate and review. I love it. I will beg. Yep. I will beg. She will. Um, <laughs> she will. And you, you can't see it, but she's got those big pupper eyes. Well, I'm just saying, if you want me... If I get enough outcry, I will put a video of myself on my hands and knees on the Soshmeads. Go, please. Wow. Wow. I'm always tempted. I'll throw I'm it out there. Just to see that. I happen. guarantee ain't nobody going to respond to us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. That's going to happen. Uh, well, thanks so much, Gilded Gang. Yep. Uh, hope you have a good one. <laughs>